You're listening to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. Hello and welcome to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and this is episode number 62. And in this episode, we're getting back to a thread I started at the end of last year for the show, which is taking a look at unused, rejected scores for films, things that have gone by the wayside, have been forgotten trying to bring some of those up, trying to bring them back from the grave a little bit and and talk about them. So don't have a large playlist for you this time out. It's a little bit shorter than the first part, actually, but the length is about the same in the sense that some of these tracks are very long. So we're just going to jump right into them here right away because there is a lot of sort of background information I have to go through this time out. So the first film we're going to be looking at is Night in the City from 1950 which is the uh, Richard Widmark starring pro-wrestling-themed noir. Uh, Pro-wrestling in uh, England, of all things, as well, uh, noir. And this is going to be the rare exception, by the way, where it's not so much that the score was rejected as it is there was a separate score for where this movie played. So in this case, Benjamin Frankel and Franz Waxman both did a version of the score for this film. The Frankel score was retained for the UK, and the Waxman score was more prevalent overseas. Although both versions did circulate on British television here and there, I guess, from what I can gather. Also, I should uh, mention before I forget that uh, this time out for the rest of the tracks in this playlist, I am going to provide a quick snippet of the original score for you guys to listen to and then compare it to the actual track from the unused score. Because uh, I asked on the They Must Be Destroyed On Site Facebook page whether people would be interested in something like that. And I had a bunch of votes that said yes. So that's what we're going to do. But in this case, with this film, I've got two suites of the music from both scores. And I'm just going to play both of them. So this is going to be a little longer. After that, we're going to move on to the main title from Forbidden Planet from 1956. The score was eventually done by uh, Lewis in uh, B.B. Barron. But the rejected score was from David Rose. David Rose composed scores for films like Operation Petticoat, uh, Ombre, Bonanza, uh, won an Emmy for Bonanza, Highway to Heaven, Little House on the Prairie, won uh, Emmys as well in 79 and 82. He recorded his score for this but destroyed it after it was rejected. Um, The film's trailer actually still has pieces and cues from his original score in it. And Rose later re-recorded the main title from his score for a CD. And this this film is sort of a 
first in a lot of ways when it comes to sci-fi films. The people who ended up finally doing the score for this, Lewis and Bebe Baron or B.B. Barron, they were pioneers in electronic music. Uh, They sort of took from a a form or a theory of music called music concrete, which is a type of music composition that utilizes recorded sounds as raw material. Sounds are often modified through the application of audio signal processing and tape machine techniques and may be assembled into a form of sound collage. Uh, It can feature sounds derived from recordings of musical instruments, the human voice, and the natural environment, as well as those created using sound syntheses and computer-based digital signal processing. Compositions in this idiom are not restricted to the normal musical rules of melody, harmony, rhythm, meter, and so on. The technique exploits acousmatic sound, such that sound identities can often be intentionally obscured or appear unconnected to their source cause. So yeah, the, these two, uh, like I said, pioneers in electronic scores. Like I said, this film was a lot of firsts. The big one being that uh, this was the first film to have a fully electronically created score. And this is eight years before the Moog synthesizer was created and started to become widely used in film scores. The, the actual score itself was credited as electronic tonalities, partly to avoid having to pay any sort of film industry music guild fees. And uh, Lewis and B.B. Barron could not win any awards because they were not part of um, they were not part of like the songwriters guild or something along those lines. But also, as I was saying, this film is important for sci-fi in that it uh, depicted several firsts, like humans traveling in a faster-than-light starship of their own creation. It was also the first to be set entirely on a planet in interstellar space, uh, far away from Earth. And of course, it featured Robbie the robot, which was. Not the first, but one of the first and one of the more influential robot sidekicks that actually mattered to the plot. So we're going to look at that stuff, and that's going to be the first half of the show, believe it or not. And then we're going to come back for the second half.
Hello there. My name is Matt, and I'm a humble court bailiff in a courtroom designed to bring musical justice to all. Each week, we have a podcast with a judge and a jury, and we determine whether a song is guilty, not guilty, or not guilty by reasons of insanity. You know, something like, uh... Or maybe it's a cover of Tom Petty. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Just look for songs on trial, please. Okay, I love you. Make good choices. This is Michael Caine, award-winning film actor you may know from such cinematic achievements as A Muppet's Christmas Carol and Jaws for The Revenge, where I played a character named after a fucking sandwich. I approve of the following promotional message. Do you like movies? Well, of course you do, you silly twit. You're listening to a movie podcast right now. Do you like podcasts about movies? I mean, if you're listening to this, your life is empty and without direction. So of course you do. Why not continue the spiral downwards with They must be destroyed on sight! Yet another semi-regular podcast about film that will occupy some of that empty space in your soul. We cover every genre, but focus on a lot of obscure and cult films with a leaning towards exploitation. If you want a podcast that's going to talk about a silent film from the 1920s one week and a sleazy biker film from the 1960s the next, and then back to something like Singing in the Rain the next episode. They must be destroyed on sight! Maybe for you. So tune in and join regular hosts Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and Lee Hardy, as well as the odd guest hosts at tmbdos.podbean.com Thank you, Drive Through. Okay, on the other side of the break here, and the next thing we're going to look at is a track called The Mountain from the Bible, 1966. This movie was directed by John Huston, and believe it or not, the person who was originally writing a score for this that was rejected was one Ennio Morricone. So Morricone originally only recorded 15 to 16 minutes of this uh, score to show what he could do. And then after that, the producers decided to ask uh, some other people. I, I see some different names float around here. Gafrido Petrassi was originally supposed to co-compose with one Toshiro Meizumi, and eventually it just ended up being Meizumi. Toshiro Meizumi was nominated for an Academy Award and a Golden Globe for Best Original Score for his score here. And Miyazumi was a famous Japanese composer, did operas, ballet, orchestral stuff, uh, and even electronic music. Uh, he scored more than 100 films uh, in his career. A lot of stuff, mostly in the 60s, things like The Warped Ones, Black Sun, Tokyo Olympiad. But yeah, uh, Morricone was rejected here. Like I said, kind of raises some eyebrows, but... His score eventually went into other projects. So this track here, The Mountain, which is about 10 minutes long, was reused in uh, such films as Secret of the Sahara 
and apparently there was some also some music from this 15 to 16 minutes that he originally uh, composed that went into The Return of Ringo. But uh, yeah, we're going to get into it here with a bit of Meozumi's title track. I believe it's called The Beginning. And uh, move right into the Morricone. Thank you. 
Okay, so we have two more films to cover here in this show, and we'll be done. First off, we're going to look at the main title from Frenzy from 1972. This is done by Henry Mancini. Um, eventually went to Ron Goodwin for Frenzy theme. He was an English composer and conductor. He did a whole bunch of great stuff. Uh, just to name a few things here. Village of the Damned, Day of the Triffids, Children of the Damned, Where Eagles Dare, Battle of Britain, so on and so on and so on. Uh, just a storied career. But uh, what happened here is that Mancini ended up re-recording his main theme uh, for this for uh, his CD, Mancini in Surround. Although, strangely enough, he's been on record saying there never was a real official theme in the material he wrote. And uh, Hitchcock basically came in and scrapped his score before it was finished on a whim after like two days uh, in the studio doing sessions. So he had a very incomplete thing going on here. It almost feels like he just had a few thoughts of where it was going to go and eventually made a, a track that would be, hey, this would have been the title track to Frenzy if I had actually gotten a chance to finish everything. We're going to get into that after a little bit of Ron Goodwin's uh, Frenzy theme, which is vastly different <laughs> from what Henry Mancini started out with. And then we're going to end off with three tracks. These are going to be all from the original score that was rejected for Alien Nation from 1988. The tracks are Alien Landing, Outback, and The Vile. And these were all done by Jerry Goldsmith. His score was rejected. Although, honestly, the actual Kurt Sobel score that was used for the film, I don't see that as widely available as the Jerry Goldsmith one. Uh, when I was trying to source this stuff, it was like, alienation score, let's see what I can find, uh, you know, from YouTube to download or whatever. And I was getting more Jerry Goldsmith, quite frankly. I guess it's a popular rejected score that a lot of people sort of sought out, or were interested in. Uh, from what I can gather, this originally might have been written for Wall Street, and Goldsmith re reportedly uh, reused one of his themes for his score to The Russia House, 1990. So I guess he was kind of like shopping this around a little bit, like kind of using it here, reusing it there kind of thing, um, you know, which is a thing a composer can do. It's fine. He, he wrote it. He can fucking use it where he wants it, right? But I guess J Jerry Goldsmith has a history of just getting dumped. Because from what I was looking through here for the history of this, it's like he, it was like between two jobs that he got booted out of, basically, um, before it actually ended up in the Russia house, or part of it, anyway. So, um, yeah, we're going to look at that, and that's going to be the end of the show. Hope you enjoyed this, guys. Uh, of course, like I've said before, this is kind of a theme that I've been interested in exploring for a while now, so... I expect there's going to be several more parts, uh, hopefully a bit sooner than uh, the time between the first and this one. Hopefully it won't be, you know, another three or four months. Hopefully I'll get back to this much sooner. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening as always, and we'll be back next month.
Thank you for listening to Blood on the Tracks. For further or previous episodes of this program, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.